Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to our brand new Geekscape episode. I missed you guys. It's been two weeks, and uh, I got to tell you, what the it's been quite the week. Uh, this past week, uh, I didn't want to come into the show because we've been talking about a lot of heavy issues the last couple episodes. Didn't want to come in and be like, hey, I know you've spent all day doom scrolling through Twitter for the latest catastrophe that's happened. Uh, how can you avoid it? Uh, so I didn't want to hit you again with that on Geekscape. So one thing I want to do, because the comments are open right off the bat, is if you guys are watching this live on YouTube or maybe Facebook or uh, Twitch, I want you guys to start commenting with something awesome that happened to you guys over the last two weeks since you guys have missed me. So if you're watching this live, go ahead and write it up there. Maybe I'll throw it up at the bottom of the screen. We've got a good episode for you guys today. We've got the creators and the cast of Casting the Net. It's... Uh, I, I want to say it's an independent series, but it's it's not. It's kind of a niche series. I'm going to go ahead and say that it's a niche series that you guys can watch. If you guys are fancy, you can say niche series. Um, and we're going to talk about how they put this thing together and how you guys can find it. Because I think we've talked about this a lot on Geekscape over the history of Geekscape. Uh, about making content for yourself and making content for your group. And I don't know, it seems familiar. Oh, it sounds like Geekscape. It sounds like a little thing that I started back in... 2005, 2006, to make content for people like me, you guys, the kind of people who would wear a Michelangelo shirt on a live stream way back when. And here you guys are. I think we're the like mind, and I try to make comment uh, content for you guys. So, yeah, if you guys are listening to this, let's talk about the positive things that have happened for you guys in the last two weeks. I'll tell you, major life stuff going on over here at the Geekscape Studios, which is really, let me get the sign. Um the moment, it's the Dweeb Darling Studios because I'm doing this out of Heidi's bedroom. Uh, <laughs> she's been nice enough to put up with me live streaming out of her bedroom during the pandemic. But pretty soon, this is going to just be the Geekscape Studios because I moved in. So that's something positive. I made a little life move, and I moved in with Heidi uh, last week. And so, so far, a week hasn't really gone by. It's almost been a week. Hasn't killed me yet, but now I'm here and uh, there's a second room and I think I'm going to build this thing out. So there's a cool background and maybe we can, when the pandemic's over, have some guests here to talk to you guys. So there's a little bit of life progression going on here and we're not going to let any of the negative stuff that has happened basically in 2020 keep us down. We're not going to ignore it though. Geekscape, as you know, we've been too socially minded the last couple episodes to do that. But what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to not forget about the positive stuff going on now. So if you guys are watching this and you guys got a little commenting going on, go ahead and throw me like something awesome that has happened to you guys over the last two weeks. And I want to hear it. And maybe we talk about it here on the show, because as much as we have to stay active, we have to stay socially minded. We have to keep pushing all of these things forward. We also have to just be able to get up in the morning. And so that means counting our blessings. So let's count our blessings. Let's remember that. 
we got Geekscape. We got you and me and this little thing that we do uh, together. And let's count our blessings. They're starting to come in. And uh, I don't know if these are nice comments or not, but uh, we got Daniel Camposano over there. It's big yanks on our forums. Uh, he's talking in from, uh, here he is. He, he, he's, he's actually in uh, Long Island. And he, and he says he got a robot vacuum. Okay. Big Yank's got a robot vacuum. I'm happy for him. Uh, just like check the upgrades because after a while, and we're going to have Willard Pew on the show. Uh, Willard was in Robocop 2, and he knows all about the dangers of technology when you upgrade it too much. I think he was in the scene where, like, the, in Robocop 2, where like the dude's head splits open because it's. It, We'll talk to him about it. So Willard Pugh's coming up. He's part of the cast of Casting the Net. We'll ask him about the RoboCop 2 scene. So Big Yanks, you're going to want to hang tight for that because it's cool that you got a robot vacuum. It could also be very dangerous. Uh, you also went ahead and commented that you like Heidi's decorations. Yeah, no, we're going to have to do something about this now that I'm a permanent resident of the apartment. Uh, and I think what we're going to do is... I'm just going to move into the other room. She can keep her decorations. I'll move into the other room and I'll set up something nice and geeky for you guys. Nice background. Uh, and then Andrew Jones says, you ready for this? I think Andrew Jones may have been one of our guests. He says, we got a puppy. That's awesome. They got a puppy. Uh, that's huge. And uh, Leonara says, that's his wife. She's a guest on the show too. She says, it's the cutest puppy in the world. So, I don't know, maybe they'll bring the puppy up on the camera, but I think that that is as good an introduction as anybody, uh, as any, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what, if they can do it. <laughs> sure. Okay, now, okay, there's a private chat that goes on here at the Geekscape studio <laughs> in, in StreamYard, and I, my guests are using the private chat to not just talk to each other, but uh, here we go. Um, Chelsea London does say picks. Or it didn't happen, Andrew and Linata. Please, we're going to need pics of that puppy. So let's get those pics on deck. And actually, let's just get you guys on deck. I want to welcome them to the show. Uh, they are the creators and star and director of this new show. I want you guys to check out. It's called Casting the Net. And here is my good friend, Andrew Jones. Hello. And his amazingly talented wife and the star of Casting the Net, Linata Washington. How are you guys? I'm well, thank you. Good to see you. What do you guys think? Keep the decorations? or No, not? don't keep the decorations. Yep, I didn't think so. But, you know, Heidi's got her own thing. And she's even told me, she's like, now that you've moved in, like, change it up. And I'm like, eh, it won't be on camera that much longer. We'll, we'll, we'll use the second bedroom to make just it. Just the fact yeah. that there's a bed in the background is just, you know, <laughs> a little special. The, pan <laughs> the pandemic required, you know this as a filmmaker, the, the pandemic, like, it, it, it gave us hurdles that we had to creatively work around. And exactly. that's something that I didn't really work too much around. We just accepted and moved on. Yeah. You know how these variables work in that's filmmaking. That's our life now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like your piano, though. And that is a nice Thank bit of uh, yeah. decoration. So um, you guys have kind of told us this, but uh, what is going on with uh, the positive things that have gone on the last two weeks? What's something positive that you guys can uh, say happened in the last two weeks? Well, well we, we got a puppy. Mm -hmm. He's an eight-week-old Maltipoo um, that my daughter named Teddy Bear because, well, he looks like a teddy bear. And if we get a moment, maybe you can call her to come bring it so that everyone <laughs> can see it. But he is, he is nothing but pure joy and love. Um, a little bit of work, but overall, we've just really enjoyed having him around. And these multi-poos, like, they're all teeth when you start out, right? Like, they just want to chew on everything. Yeah, yeah he's a little nippy. We're working on it. But in yeah. general, he just follows us all around and loves to cuddle. He's very sweet. Got great temperament. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I think Heidi's experiencing a similar situation right now with what just moved into her place. So <laughs> I, think, I think that's going on. Um, I think it's also cool that you guys are um, – actually like the number one, one of the top shows on this platform. Let's talk a little bit about Cassie the Net and what's yes. going on. Because uh, when Andrew was like, hey, I think we should come on the show. And I was like, I think I agree with you that you should come on the show. Uh, he told me about this new series that you guys have put out the first season of. It's called Cassie the Net. And he said that it's on this platform called Urban Flix TV. And I went to check it out. And it seems like these platforms, there's a lot of them. And they're usually niche platforms and you show up and you're like, okay, 
the content usually is pretty bad. I'll just, I'm sorry. It's usually pretty bad. I go to this Urban Flix TV thing and I'm not just, it's got some really good stuff on there. <laughs> like yeah. the quality is pretty high and I, I hadn't heard of it. So Geeks gave us like, maybe you're hearing about Urban Flix TV for the first time now, but some of the like talent that they have on here is really high. I checked out some of the movies. I, I looked at your series. Like there's a lot going on here. The production values are really high. This is like equivalent to the stuff you would find on Amazon or Netflix. It's the real deal. Yeah. I mean, they, they took, uh, they've been building this network for about the past two years and I too wasn't sure what to expect. And when, when it finally launched, um, God, close to two months ago now, yeah, I was blown away. I mean, it looks like Netflix, uh, a lot of the programming could very well be on Netflix. I think our show, you know, is very mainstream. And, and that's kind of what you hit, you, you hit on is that it, it does look like Amazon. It looks like Netflix. It looks like Hulu. The quality is all tremendously high. And, and they've spent a lot of time and a lot of money um, acquiring these these great movies and TV shows. And ours is is one of the original TV shows mm -hmm. that they produce. So we're an Urban Flex, Urban Flix TV original. Um, and we shot it, gosh, almost a year ago now. Um, so we're really happy that it finally launched. And yeah, we've been in the top 10 for uh, ever since it launched. So we're really pleased about that. And where did the idea for the series come from? Leonata, can you tell us a little bit about like uh, what the series is about, what the origins of it were, uh, was, uh, were <laughs> the Texans showing, sorry, Geeks <laughs> Uh Well, it's, it sort of follows the life of three uh, actresses who are also good friends, who are kind of tired of the hustle, tired of sort of being stuck in stereotypical roles, and they decide to take it upon themselves to create a little buzz. You know, they, they want to raise their social media numbers. So they come up with this idea about making a f movie that they're not actually, it's a fake movie. They put out breakdowns, they hold auditions just under the guise of, again, getting some attention from Hollywood, getting people to maybe sniff it out and, and you know, get excited about something with no intention of actually making it. But then they find themselves in a situation where everybody wants a piece of it. Everybody really likes the story and you know what ensues is how they go about actually bringing it all together. Um, and Andy, I mean, Andy could probably speak more to this, but it originally started as a movie um, where he would, he's, he's one of these writers who just, he listens to everything. I think any good writer is a good listener. And Andy's one of these people who sees everything and hears everything, even when you're not thinking that he's hearing or seeing anything. And I would come home with stories about auditions where really f weird, freaky, strange, annoying, stereotypical, you know, uh, you know, I'm tired of being the, the black hooker, third to the left of I can, see the, I can see how that would wear on you <laughs> you know or he'd hear stories from my fellow friends who'd also you know have any number of uh, interesting happenings in their career and he started collecting them and created these characters um, based on a lot of what we were sharing with him mm -hmm. and, and then so as these stories start to compile themselves into a narrative, like what, what are some of the highlight uh, stories that you were just like as an actress, like enough is enough? Because in a sense, like this is both a diary and a way to kind of scream back and make fun of the situations that you were repeatedly put in. Right. You know, through your career. And you are not the only uh, actor, uh, this is everybody who goes through this, but you are one of the few actors who then put it to pen and then put it to camera and put it together. Uh, what was what were some of the scenes that when you were reenacting, it was like, oh man, it was like yesterday that I went through this and right. we're reliving it. What's maybe I think one some of the true some of the true stories were like the um, when you went to the audition and the, your headshot was put into other. Other Caucasian yeah. and other; those were the only two categories. The Caucasian and other. Yeah. yeah. So, a lot of it, a lot of it, were just the things that I watched her go through as as a black actress. Yeah. Oh, like um, you know, you're never, the you know, you know, the stories black enough, for instance. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You got, you're not you, being got black you weren't enough. black enough. You know, you know, being in a room and and uh, being given a script that uh, you know it's a scene that's maybe a little more. Uh, what's I'm trying to think of a good word for it because we've come to sort of have ideas about 
what it is to do black projects and what they signify. So like something a little more gritty, something a little more hood, you know, as opposed to upper middle class, right? And you're doing the scene and then and the and the casting director says, okay, that's great. Can you can you just be a little more black? And I and I remember thinking <laughs> this is me. And if it's not the right type of, you know, if I'm not playing the character in the way that you want is one thing, but to ask me to be more black sort of um insinuates that there is one way or a certain way to be black, which we all know, like any other person, we we run the gamut. <laughs> but that's a, a popular one. In that and that's one of the scenes in the show. That's well. a, so that's kind of a running gag, yeah. if you will, that um yeah, she's always being accused of not being black enough. Yeah. You know, can can you be a little blacker? And and those are things that we have dealt with. Those are things that, that we have dealt with uh in her career and and our lives together, creating things together. Um, you know, she's half Brazilian. I'm going to speak for you. She, yeah, you're right there. Uh, half half African American, half Brazilian. So, uh, Lenata tends to always refer to herself as black. Well, sometimes some African Americans might take offense to that and have because you're not owning being African American. She said, "But I'm, but I'm only I'm half." You know, so <laughs> there's struggles all over the place with that. Right, and yeah, I mean, it, again, it. Um... I get slack sometimes for having married a white man. And, and how not Andrew that... specifically. Well, yeah, yeah. Andrew, <laughs> the white man. Like, <laughs> yes, what, you know, what, um, Andrew, the white man. Yeah, um, what the slack that you would get for marrying Andrew? And how long have you guys been married? We're going on, wow, nine oh, years? Yeah, yeah, we've been together since 2008. We met yeah. on uh, my the first feature film that I directed called Kings of the Evening. And it was with mm -hmm. Glenn Turman and Lynn Whitfield and Willard Pugh was in it. That's where we met. Um, that's, so that's where we met. That was back in 2007 that we shot that. Right. Um, so here we are. And we have an adorable little six-year-old. Yes, who's also in the show. She's in the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Playing right. my daughter, Amber. Okay. Uh, sorry, I, I hit one tiny thing trying to read a comment, and it dropped me from the studio, but I'm back. Uh, that was quick. Um, so, you, sorry, that totally shook me. <laughs> Live broadcasting geeks. You, you. I hit, you, you, you left us hanging there. I hit, I hit one button. I wanted to hear the story about how they met, how long they've, they've been together on the film, and I hit one button yeah. trying to get to your comments, and I messed it all up uh that's live broadcasting for you geeks gave us and i'm i'm uh that's the cost the, uh, of of being able to talk to you guys live and and do this especially during the pandemic i don't even know how i would do the old show that was just audio and in person outside right. of this pandemic um so like honestly guys you guys are a mixed race couple i'm a product of a mixed race couple uh and uh, literally an hour before this broadcast we were talking about diversity and I was and I was talking about a film that I want to make and we had actually cast the lead the week prior to the COVID shutdown and the lead is Hispanic and we're getting in and, and, and the joke it's it's a joke between uh Heidi and I and really it came out of the conversation that has happened many times during my career about making my last name my mother's last name of Sanchez mm -hmm. and I just I it's just not who I am, but I run into that same thing mm -hmm. of you're not Hispanic enough for the Hispanics. I'm just not Latino enough for the Latinos and I'm not white enough for the white ones, but I'm pretty white. <laughs> it turns out. So, so how the last, how's the last month been for you guys? Because I know for me, I'm trying to like figure out what my place is in this conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been a lot of it's been a lot of conversations. It's been a lot of learning, I think, for for all of us, uh, um, especially with a child who is seeing all this stuff. You know, seeing all this stuff unfold, and she's six years old, so she's she's a very um, smart and aware and, and, and empath empathetic uh, six year old, but also she's six, and mm -hmm. there's having to sort of explain to her the the, the varying degrees of um, all the happenings in the world right now. So yeah, we find ourselves having a lot of wonderful, sometimes difficult um, discussions about what does that, what does that mean for? I mean, for uh, in some ways for us, it's it, it's easy to sort of place. I know who I am. I know where I fit. I think Andy knows who he is. He's a white male. I'm a, a black female. There are a lot of pieces that go with that. But then you have a child who is the product of 
both of these experiences and you have to sort of help her figure out who she wants to be. Um, so yeah, lots of conversations. <laughs> and you want to protect her. We want to protect her from all, and you know, on top of COVID and a pandemic and all that, where we're already dealing with so much and, and the big shifts in her life, having to do homeschooling for the end of her kindergarten year, there's been so much we're dealing with. And then all of this happened. And it's, it's, it's good that it happened because these, it brought all these discussions to the forefront. And um, that's why I think our show is, is very timely. It's, it's about strong women. It's about strong black women dealing with all these issues that we've been talking about. They're just dealing with them in a funny way, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, but it's all very timely. It's, it's everything that we're, that we're living through right now. And do you believe that making content for a black audience, and I don't want to necessarily say that because when you go to Urban Flix TV, they're very much uh, like their tagline is that this is content for everyone. But right. when you go to Urban Flix TV, you will see that it is black content. Like it is content that was, that, from black creators. Right, and that was one of the things that really attracted me to Urban Flix TV that I thought was so brilliant about it is that he, um, Herb Kimball, who's, who's the man who founded the whole thing and it's his vision, he wanted to redefine what urban means. And I really thought that was great because we do, we, we take urban content, we think BET. I mean, know, honestly, when, when Leonardo was telling the story of going in and, and not being hood or black enough, I thought the word was gonna be like, hey, could you be more urban? Well, usually you know, well, like, yeah. it is. that's, so, yeah. Sometimes Often it is, but um, so Herb wants to he, he wants to redefine it to mean everybody. It's in, it, it, it's inclusive of everyone: white, black, Asian, Latino, gay, straight, everybody. And so he wants the network to to represent that both in the content and the filmmakers. It's an interesting thing, though. We're talking about the word urban. I was talking to a British friend of mine, doing a show for him. He's he's he lives here, but he's from London. And he said, when, when Urban Flix opens up overseas, which they're about to launch internationally, he said, urban has a totally different meaning in England. It just means city. Yeah, you're in the city. There's not, not the, the racial component to it. Yeah. So he's curious about how that's going to, you know, how, it, one, is it going to be named the same thing? Is it still going to be Urban Flix TV? And what will the perception be? Because urban is a very different word there, which is kind of cool. That's pretty interesting. Maybe, maybe we'll get there someday. Do you, uh, well, we can only hope, but as I said in the uh, podcast two, two episodes ago, this problem is a problem that is based on the fun, like on the structure of our country. And it is a white problem that white people have to be involved intimately in fixing from the ground up because you know what the comparison is if, if you're at work and you're grumbling about your boss and the problems at work, nothing's gonna change unless the person at the top changes it or you guys unionize. Right. And what you guys are seeing at your window right now is an attempt to unionize. And at first it was peaceful and now it's really loud and you didn't listen at first. So uh, nothing's gonna change without the people at the top changing it. And we have set up this country so that the people at the top are white. So it's a white problem. They need to be very intimately involved in fixing it. Not to say that the only ones have to fix it, but they have to be involved or it's not going to get fixed. The whole thing needs to get fixed. And, um, and that's inherently American. So the question is like, what do you call it in England and who does it represent? And then the question I wanted to have for you, Andrew is, uh, and Leonardo, you can answer this too, but like, uh, what, uh, Will we start seeing urban flicks be uh, start to branch out and maybe be representative of, of other, uh, you know, demographics, other voices? Now that there aren't a lot within the yeah, I think I think yeah. if you dig deep, they're they're yeah. pretty much all there. Yeah, um, and that's why we have to support shows like Casting the Net, which are very female driven, and those are those are also stereotypes that we have to get over, and that you know. Typically, I mean, we, look, we went through the Hollywood so white. We've been through the, you know, um, we've been through a lot in Hollywood in, in the past few years. And now we need to break all these stereotypes and these cliches and see that we can have shows about three black women and they can be very entertaining. This to me originally started as it's kind of a female entourage. And I, I sort of want to make that hybrid of entourage and sex in the city. Um, but it hasn't really been represented. So now it is, and I think it's a great time for it because all voices are being heard right now. We really are all listening now. I think that's the one great thing about this is we're all listening. 
So um, it's a good time for change and it's a great time for urban flicks. And I think as we, as we, as we talked about on the last episode with Chris Cluey was that the big difference here, Geekscape is, is social media. The big difference is that everyone's allowed and able to be in this conversation. Everybody is pulling and tugging and getting to the extents of the discomfort and we're in it together. And honestly, if you see anything going on out there, Geekscapists, and you had that conversation you've been avoiding with your aunt and uncle or your family member or friend where you kind of let the stuff slide, you got to speak up because the discomfort is the only way that we we're going to get through. The only way through this is through and we got to do it. <laughs> it sucks. I yeah. know. You're like, what do I say? You don't want to be the person who like ruins the party or rocks the boat, but the boat is clearly going towards the falls. It is going to like crash on the rocks. You know, this, this, this doesn't work. We gotta, we gotta rock the boat. We can only learn through discomfort and the pull and push and pull of this entire system. Uh, let's, let's hear some positivity. Our, uh, our viewer, he's here every episode and I love you so much, dude. I don't know how many years you've been a part of Geekscape, but I can always count on you for watching, and I love it so much. He's off of YouTube. Rick, though, says, something awesome that happened to me. I edited a best of video for my favorite YouTube streamer, and he said it, it was his favorite video, and he uploaded it yesterday. I don't know who the streamer is, but Rick, though, as soon as you're done with that, I'm going to need you to start working on a best of Geekscape. Thank you so much. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, but, yeah, dude, uh, that is cool. Um, one thing that is cool is I've started to uh, spend a little bit of time reacquainting myself with editing. I, I think you guys know you have those old – shorts and footage and scripts that you don't finish. And I've just been putting myself back into those projects and being like, okay, well I can edit this myself or I should, you know, go back into those scripts or projects and start putting those things together. Well, uh, we got a little bit of COVID time. So that's awesome that you guys are building muscles. And I think that Geekscapists, we're in a really weird time uh, where our society is changing and the pandemic had it going on its own we got to create new muscles if we're going to survive. We have got to evolve. We have to we have to push our new we have to spend this time like not you know, you can do your self-care. You can kick your feet up and play Last of Us 2, but you also, you know, need to flex a little bit and see like what you can come out of this pandemic having a new tool for. Maybe you're forced to do that because you lost a job. That kind of thing, but you got to you got to do it. And and I think that we can all this is an opportunity for us to evolve into new things. I might be able to become a better editor or a better writer. Um, but when you see Chuck E. Cheese go bankrupt, you know there's no going back. All right, like our society's changing. Okay, let's bring them in because we've been talking about Willard. We've been talking about Charlie. They're actors in casting the net. Let's get them here on the show. Willard Pugh, you guys may recognize him from The Color Purple. He was also in RoboCop 2, as I mentioned before, because I love RoboCop 2. Uh, here's Willard. How are you doing, brother? You doing all right? You guys good. Can't complain. Every day above ground is a beautiful day. <laughs> but Willard, you remember what I was talking about? That scene where the robot like goes crazy in Robocop Two and like splits its head open. Yes, yes. You're in that scene. Yeah. Hey, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was actually thinking when they start talking about the militarization of the police. I was thinking about RoboCop because I made so many statements about the military, obviously, for RoboCop. Um, at what point do we start to see, like, Donald Trump, and you saw, like, his whole presentation with Space Force, that you start to see Donald Trump, like, present the Ed 209 and be like, here it is, the future of law enforcement in America. Whoever knew? We were ahead of our time. Yeah, I'm just waiting for CNN where they're like, something went wrong, and like the Ed 209 like shoots Stephen Miller out of a window or something. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not wishing it on anybody, but I'm saying, hey, like Big Yanks' robot vacuum, uh, when you start messing with technology, you don't know where it's going to end up. That's so true. That is so true. Uh, Willard, you had previously worked with Andrew. It's awesome that you uh, collaborated with him again. Like, was it fun coming back and being like, hey, let's, let's, let's flex some comedy muscles? Hey, it's like family. You know, it was a great time with Kings of the Evening, and this has been a great experience. And uh, he's just a very good guy, really super talented. I mean, he's an editor, a writer, a director, a producer. He truly does it all. It's a lot of people that people don't realize there are people who, um, 
your one man team. He's a one man team that really can do it all for real. And there's very few people that can really do all that. And that's what makes him so good at what he does because he can still step down and designate stuff to other people. But it's hard to tell people what to do when you don't know what they do. He knows everybody's job. So it makes it a lot more of a pleasant experience working with him. And Andrew, you know, I'm going to ask you later on. Like, you know, I mean, we're going to see if he can play the piano later on. It's there in the background of Andrew. I didn't see him play the piano now. I didn't see him play the piano. <laughs> I'm, I'm in front of a green screen. That's just a fake. <laughs> That's not your piano in the background. <laughs> um, That's a piano. So, okay. Well, uh, we got another actor here. We got our good friend, Charlie Koontz. He's also Ooh. in the show. Hey, hey, Charlie. Char how are hey. you, man? Hey, baby. I'm good. I am excellent. I've just been enjoying uh, listening to everybody. How are all my sweet, sweet friends? Everybody's good. Excellent. Charlie has played a geek before. He is. He was in CSI. You know, which CSI was that? Because there are like 19 CSI. It's the cyber one, which has to be the techiest one of all, right? You were in yeah, it was extreme techiness. I um I played the the young you know computer expert that was you know every five lines was a word about hard drives and scrubbing and things that I Bitcoin things that I have no clue about. I downloaded Chrome for this interview, uh, <laughs> which took me about an hour and a half. But You're like, how did this work? But yet you were on a show called CSI Cyber where you were like probably like the person chasing down cyber terrorists. Yeah, I just I stand on the mark and say what they tell me to say. And uh, <laughs> I try to make it as believable as possible. So, you know, I got I have a little tiny bit of Greek uh, geek cred, but not much. Do you, you do you get the geek roles a lot? Are you playing like a, a geek guy in and uh, casting the net? Is that your kind of your thing? No, my character in Cats in the Net is kind of cool. I play a movie executive. So, yeah. So in this with, one... With uh, the heart of gold. With the heart of gold, of Wait, course. That's, that's called fiction. No kidding. Right. <laughs> no, I, I finally cool have... and heart of gold? You're losing me. <laughs> I find, Yeah, right. Exactly. It's uh, an oxymoron. But, um, yeah, I finally found somebody who's got a little bit of power in the industry. So Lenato was talking about how the... Um, fake movie sort of gets going and it was all kind of intended to be under the radar and get a little buzz for them up at the top, but never, you know, actually thinking about going through with it. And then it's my character that sort of gets wind of it, starts to see a package coming together and then uh, tries to help them push it forward. So I'm, I'm beyond the keyboard this time, which is good. But they're the ones who are like, Hey, we're just going to put this together and imagine it's like, baiting a hook that they never intend to throw in the water and you're the fish that bit and, exactly. and like they reeled it up and you're like hey i'm taking it to the top and we're actually going to make this thing um i like uh, as well that you guys cast our good friend jenny wanger who is in the geekscape produced film uh chasing fletcher allen we geekscape made a film last year and jenny was in it and i look in the the trailer and there That's she right. is next to eric roberts yes she's playing a, a an agent uh -huh. Very, yeah, Hollywood agent. I um, think that was pretty cool. Um, so what was the process of putting this thing together? So like Leonardo had the story or had all these stories and you'd experienced some of them firsthand, Andrew. How much of this was starting to be put together? And at what point really the question is, did the film script start to develop into an episodic? Um, I, I took the script to my very, very good friend, Phaedra Harris, who's also been um, a casting director on all my projects. And she went into Urban Flicks as an executive. And um, one of her many great talents is finding projects and finding filmmakers and putting them together with, with people. So Phaedra brought me into that mix. And, um, and she said a while ago, even before there was an Urban Flicks, she said, I think this is a series. And I thought, okay, but I've already written a screenplay. and I don't know what to do with the series. And so once she was at Urban Flicks, it, it found a home. And she was, she was a real champion of it. She and I then collaborated on breaking it up and writing it into episodes. Um, and she was able, you know, she's, she's an African-American woman. So she was able to add a voice that, of authenticity that maybe I wasn't able to. I can kind of fake my way through it, but she was able to kind of check me on that stuff. So um, she really got behind the project and pushed it. And then the network really loved it and they funded it. And um, here we are talking about it a year later. 
And the network, how where did this thing come from? This Urban Flix TV. Like it seems like they were funded, you said two years ago, and now they launched and they've got a yeah, ton of content. And it's a big, it's a big undertaking. It's not a it's not a little thing to start a streaming network to do it mm -hmm. right. I mean, the advertising, the content, the interface, all of that stuff. Um, again, it was Herb Kimball. It was a dream he's had for a long time. He used to be an actor, and then he became a businessman. He's a very, very successful businessman, uh, very smart. And um, he just decided, this is what I want to do. I want, there needs to be a new network that's a little more inclusive, that's a little more representative of everything, of all of our lives. So it's, it was his dream, and he was able to make that dream happen. Now, would he be interested in maybe a show that is broadcast out of a dude's girlfriend's like not, not if there's a bed back there. Mm. I mean, it's just that kind of art direct this a little better. The, that's where the Mogwai sleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yeah, that's the, that. That is just. Uh, it's. I mean, when you catch them, you can't let them get wet. You can't feed right. them after midnight. They get into the cabinets. Yep. Next thing you know, you got oh, gremlins. Nice. All right, I, but the, I, that is for Mogwai to sleep in. I like the decoration. I think it was awesome. Okay. Well, I see so many of these. I see so many of these now with someone's bed in the background, and generally, it's not even made. They don't. It's the pandemic. Don't even bother to make the bed anymore. You gotta. You have to understand when, like, we've been at this since 2006. Sometimes there was like a pretty fancy couch and a Van Damme poster for uh, Kickboxer, so like a good Van Damme movie. And I mean, we had we pulled out all the stops, and we're gonna get back there. As soon as I start, we're just, we're just in that time now where it's all okay to be human. I mean, Lenata said, "Do I need to put makeup on?" It's like, no, <laughs> no, no. This isn't a red carpet. This is just Geekscape. It's it's authentic. It's sincere. Yeah, it is, and uh, you can see the uh, you can you can see the edges, everything like that. So, how long did it take you guys to put this whole thing together? Like, uh, and, and honestly, like, talk to me. Production wise, was. Did you guys have to be creative with the budget? Was the budget there? How supportive oh, was yeah. it? No, I mean, like, talk about the whole thing. I mean, it wasn't. You know, it's not, it's not Netflix show budgets. It, it was a lower budget than that. It all came together very quickly. Once once it got the green light, they wanted it in production as fast as we could get it in production. They knew about uh, the COVID. <laughs> yeah, they knew it was coming. We we knew it was coming, so we got to go. Um, so we shot it. Uh, we shot it over a course of you know four or five weeks, and and then I was able to just pull back and edit and um, take my time editing. Um, but it all no, it really went together quickly. And I mean, a lot of the actors in it are people that I've worked with in the past, like Charlie and uh, Lenata and Jeff Johnson and John Zadarko and uh, and Willard and. Um, <laughs> So, and, and, and honestly, a lot of those roles were written for those people. Now, being a new network, they still had to come in and win the role. They still had to come in and audition. There was still that process. It's, it's a network. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, but thankfully, you guys didn't screw it up. <laughs> well, we didn't suck too hard. <laughs> Hold on. Willard, I had, I had Willard uh, muted because there was, I was getting feedback on his mic. But what were you saying, sir? I was saying I had to audition to play myself. Okay, really? Really? You he worked did. with Spielberg. Okay, he worked the people that Willard has worked with, like he still had to come in on audition. Uh Quincy Jones, Danny Glover, Whoopi, Oprah, and he made me audition to play myself. <laughs> I would have walked. Really? Willard, Willard will tell you too that I've been collecting his little stories all along. Oh my god! There's yeah. really things submitted into the show, and, and that's the thing. I really do. I have this file cabinet in my head of just just notice everything, and it eventually ends up in in a movie and a TV show. Um, so a lot of the little fun things about Willard that made it into the show are maybe exaggerations of something he actually said to me or actually does. Um, so or actually actually said. So you, if you guys get a season two, and maybe you guys get a season two, if the Geekscapists go over to uh, yeah. Urban Flix TV and watch it, you guys, Geekscapists, I'm not just trying to get you guys to subscribe to a, a channel that you don't know anything about. Go over there, and they give you seven days of, uh, free to go over and watch all seven of their So now that you've run out of all the Netflix and the Amazon and the Hulu, all this stuff, and you guys are looking for more stuff to binge during the pandemic, because it's clearly not going to end anytime soon because we have incompetent leadership, go over to this Urban Flix TV 
and at least get the seven days, watch uh, Casting the Net. And then there's all sorts of like really good films on there. There's comedies. There's like stuff that's not a comedy. Like, uh, I mean, this is the one that, that here, let me, I'm just going to open Urban Flicks. Uh, urbanflixtv.com. That's what you want to go to. I'm on it over here right now. Uh, browsing. Oh, and let me, while you pull it up, let me just it, it. It's on Roku. It's a channel. So if you have Roku, if you have Apple TV, if you have Fire TV, if you have Chromecast, you can just download that channel. We have Roku. It was very easy to add the Urbanflix channel, and there it is. You just sign up for your, um, for your subscription. Um, or you can go to urbanflix.com if you like to watch things on your computer. Yeah, the the movie that I was really like into is Hunter Gatherer, which looks pretty good. It's it's in the comedy department, but it, it actually looks like it's a comedy that turns into a drama. It premiered at Sundance a couple of years ago, and then since I like comedy and I recognize a lot of the actors in it, that Lucky Number movie, like there's a lot of stuff in here that when I'm going through it, Geekscapes. Let me just throw go ahead and throw UrbanFlix.com. If you're watching this street, this is it's UrbanFlix TV. Uh, let me go ahead and throw it into urbanflix.tv. Let me go ahead and throw it in the screen share for you, Geekscapus. Well, I think um, one, important, one important aspect of all of this, too, I think, is that, uh, you know, it's hard to divorce anything that we're going through right now with what the world is going through in terms of COVID and the unrest and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, what has struck me in the last few weeks especially about urban flicks is that, you know, everyone's being pushed to change. The world is upside down. Everybody is, um, especially if you're uh, of a particular demographic that I'm a part of being asked to learn and grow and listen and all that kind of stuff. And we're stuck inside our houses. Like you said, we're, I'm running out of things to watch on Netflix. New huge movies are getting postponed and postponed and postponed. And you're in your house with this giant resource of other artists' voices that maybe you hadn't been um, exposed to or exposed yourself to uh, until now, until this has all come to the forefront. And for me, it feels incredibly um, I feel really grateful that we got a chance to get it done before all this kind of stuff happened. But, you know, if representation matters to you, then it should matter to you. And if you're in your house and you can't go out to the bars and restaurants and stuff like that. Or shouldn't. You can, but you yeah, shouldn't. Definitely. We've heard that over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, anyway, my, my big point is I think that a lot of people are a lot of uninformed people are viewing um, this time as a time of change, but also a time of homework. And it's not homework. It's watching television. It's opening your eyes to, to something that you haven't seen before. It's if you're awake, your eyes are open. You know what I mean? Like it's it's worth checking out. You uh, it's all right there for you. There's plenty of time to read interesting books. There's plenty of time to watch these interesting stories, especially as we run out of things that are being produced on a, a really huge scale. It just seems perfect for the moment. Urban Flix TV. That's right. Charlie, when did perfect you start for the moment? Urban flicks now is he really he's really like tub thumping for like a season two he's like let's go let's keep going I want to work baby let's do this we all want to work yeah I mean and it really does it it, it we, we need we need traffic and and you know we we do have the honor of being the most uh, we have the highest retention rate which means that when people come to the network and they watch things um, our retention rate is monstrously high it's in the high it's in the mid ninety percentile meaning. 100% would be you're watching from the first second to the very last second of the of the credits. So that's incredible. People tend to binge our show. They really seem to enjoy it. Once they start watching it, they don't stop. I was doing an interview yesterday and the guy said, you know, I'll, I'll, I, I went to do my homework and I was going to watch the first episode just to see what it was about. And then I thought, huh, that was really good. Let me watch the second episode. And all of a sudden he watched all six. And, that, and that's what we're getting from most people is that they are binging the, 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 the entire series. They just really, thankfully, they're just really enjoying it. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, funny, I, it's fun. It's, um, it's relatable. You know, I think sometimes we think, oh, when we have these diverse, you know, I think this is what happens a lot. You, we, no one wants to watch shows with black people because I don't know if I can relate. But the fact of the matter is, is that we can relate. We can relate to each other as human beings. And these are human interactions that you have with people 
every day. And the fact that we happen to be black is just an added, uh, you know, added, added flavor to our characters and, and to the you know direction that the show can go in. But um, everything that we have there is completely relatable to anyone, even if you're not an actor, we get it. These things happen at all levels of, of um, different types of jobs. And the fact that we're able to also do this in a funny way is, is it's, a little, it's a little dirty too, by the way. It's a little oh, dirty, there's some dirty, there's some naughty words in there. It's a little topper. You know, and, it seems like it seems like the medicine. It helps the medicine go down a little yeah. easier. Right. And yeah. I want to see them too because I want to see Willard on a horse. I don't think enough people know just how talented Willard Pugh really oh, is. Going Jack of all trades. What's that, Willard? I got my quick quick draw rig already. Been practicing my drawing, my holster, quick draw. I mean, I'm I'm on top of my game. I can't wait till showtime. I got to get ready now. No pre-plan. <laughs> Thing I can't do, my neighbors don't like this horse in this neighborhood in Pasadena. They said, gotta get rid of the horse. You, so, I mean, he was already ready to research season two and they, 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 the, the shutdown has cost him a horse. So I think you guys need to get this thing going. Well, before. Oh, Willard, you're, I mean, if I can say you're the elder statesman on this conversation, you've worked for a, a long time. Uh, how have you seen things change? Not just in the two last month, last year, how have things changed as a black actor over the last 30, 40 years? Did you have to go there? Yeah. <laughs> it, it hasn't changed enough. Yeah. Sorry, it really hasn't. I mean, honestly, I've been acting since I was five years old. I'm now 61, June 16th. And uh, I grew up with around stacks, and I was at Motown for a minute when I came out here. Uh, I've been in this business. My first job was Hill Street Blues. Uh, back in 82 with Stephen Bochco. And uh, it's been a tough road as an African-American actor. The roles just don't come uh, often enough. The awards don't come to you. I mean, Color Purple was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. Only movie ever got that was uh, Turning Point, and we got nothing. 11 mm -hmm. nominations and got zero. And people don't want to say it, but personally, I felt it was racially motivated. Because as soon as Steven Spielberg did Schindler's List, he got a bunch of awards and everybody loved him. And he was back on being the number one guy again when he was always a number one guy. He had just never done a movie with African-Americans before. And I guess some people may have felt he shouldn't have done a movie with African-Americans first. He should have done a movie with people of his own group first. Right. It doesn't matter what comes first, last, second, as long as it gets done and somebody has the about to do it and he had it and he took it on and uh, the numbers proved that he was right just like with this show uh, people said well that movie's not going to make any money it's not going to do it. it made over a hundred million dollars back in 80 what 85 right. so and to this day it still stands alone um, just a great piece of work so you know no it hasn't changed I wish it had if it would change I'd be working all the time but unfortunately, Hollywood is Hollywood. So you have to learn to roll with it, roll with the punches. And this show is one of those kind of shows that's very innovative, very creative, uh, teamwork, and uh, it's refreshing and new. And I was excited to even be a part of it, you know. And, and so I get to play myself and people can realize who we are in this business. So uh, I, that's what makes I think it's so interesting. People, my, right now, my friend's biggest complaint is where the next episodes. We, you know, we've seen it three or five. We've seen all six over and over again. When the new one's coming, so everybody's excited about it uh, that I've talked to. So I, I can't wait just to get started on the next season. It's, it seems to be like an inherent problem in our industry that it wants to work like other industries. It wants to be an afford assembly line. But we keep making unique products and they still got to make the widgets. They still got to turn these things out. But in order to keep up the speed and make unique products, they need to suddenly start throwing everybody into categories. And if you don't stay in your lane, they, they don't know what to do with you. If they don't throw Linata into the other bin, they yes. can't keep up the speed of casting. So it's lazy. The check in the boxes is, is, just lazy and it makes for bad product. I was talking to a, a friend and former guest of Geekscape earlier today, just online. And I was like, it's this checking of the boxes of being like, Hey, and it's always by people who are just trying to make widgets out of art. And 
they're like, okay, I've satisfied that box. I've checked that box. We can move forward. It, you can move it down the assembly line towards production. Oh, we've satisfied that. They're not actually making anything unique. And, and that, well, that's but, been a problem with making art, period. When yes. you start to add, like, sat, trying to satisfy some racial edict or social edict on top of it, it just starts getting bad. But there, there's also been generation after generation teaching the next generation in the business certain rules. Mm -hmm. Black movies don't work. Black movies don't work overseas. Black don't sell overseas. And they just keep perpetuating this. Um, and, and, and it's not necessarily true. It's just these sayings that, that we all have. Every time, you know, when I went to sell Kings of the Evening, oh, my God, it was just, you know, an African-American period drama. That's, that, that's not about slavery. And, Andrew, you're walking into the room. Yeah. And they're like, What? Is going well, on, and they heard my here. name, Andrew Jones. I mean, they figured okay, <laughs> on email, they're, yeah, they're like, you know, he must be related to Quincy, he's the one uh, I've heard of, yeah, like so, that kind of stuff is going on. So, these these hurdles and these cliches that we just have to keep just getting over and 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 re relearning and just kind of reteaching that we have to teach something new. And, and the new thing is that no, these are stories for everybody, they can be women, they can be women of color, they can be Asian women, black women, white women. It doesn't matter. It's just there's just stories about people. Well, what I and, find what I find strange about that too is that you know there's been a such a long history of teaching people and perpetuating the idea that it doesn't work. At this point, it starts to feel like, well, how would you know? You haven't even tried in years and years and years. And I think one of the huge um, things that we're seeing lately is it is a business and it's a business in how you make these things. We have to get together. We have to have a budget. We have to whatever. But uh, if you look at something like Crazy Rich Asians, they committed to making it at the level that they make almost everything else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the it's it's hard to wrap your mind around really what the surprise was. And I appreciate that it was a great surprise and I appreciate everything that, that it did and, and all the progress that it made. But what was the surprise that you gave uh, $25 million to capable filmmakers and they made a fantastic movie? Right. <laughs> and Charlie, it seems like every 10 years, we people are like, who would have thunk it? I mean, yeah. you think that Robert Townsend would have taught it. And then, like, Robert Townsend comes and makes it. And then Keenan Ivory Wayans has to do it not even 10 years later. Or Jackie Chan comes out and they're like, oh my God, now we got the Jackie Chan. We got it. We, we can trust to make movies with Asian leads. And right. then, like you said, it takes a while for the next one to happen. And I mean, his, and his fans are just now starting to get into the box office as of five years ago when you start to get some of these people, you know, it, 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 as the leads in films. And what's inherently, uh, if if you don't mind me saying but it. You would have thought Peach Marin could have done that in the 80s when he did Born in East LA and it came out and it was big. Right. Well, what's inherently racist about it, and, and just as an observation I think anybody can have, I hope I'm not speaking for uh, people that don't need to be spoken for, but what's racist about it is they they do make a commitment to, they make a half commitment to, putting this kind of art out from different kinds of voices. And if it does fail, like most movies do just in general, then they call it a representation of the racial aspect is that's why it didn't work. There are a, lot, a, of shitty, yeah. there are a lot of shitty movies that come out. That's a and, very good point. Yeah. You know, that's right. what, when, when, a, when a white movie fails, they don't say, uh Oh, we better stop doing white movies. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's a great. They don't point. even call them white movies; they just get to be movies. Of course, yeah. yeah. And do you feel like if I did this? And do you feel like a there's a movie. the one thing that I'm seeing uh, with this COVID crisis is movies are just shifting left and right. Like all of the summer blockbusters are now coming out between November and February, and you could completely just look up and know when movies were coming out because September and January were the sports movies, February were the black films you know you had obviously the summer blockbusters obviously going into november december you started to get either the family kid harry potter movies or the other marvel movie or uh you the know awards uh, the, the awards movies and you could just see the calendar now the calendar is getting decimated mm -hmm. we've got marvel movies like ending up in november and february and that's causing other smaller movies to shift it's just cats and dogs 
uh, I mean, is it an advantage to be pigeonholed into a calendar? Is it a problem? Because it just seems like the whole system needs to be redone and reinterpreted and go back to like what you and Andrew and Charlie were talking about, that uh, these should just be stories about people. And then the next question is, talking about your daughter, she's six. Do we begin this immersion when they're kids? Do we get kids a doll that looks like somebody that doesn't look like them? Do we get them to, does that make sense, guys? Yes, yes. I, like, I, I don't know. For the longest, when I, uh, friends, of my, friends of mine who were having children before I was, I would buy them black baby dolls. It didn't matter that they were white. I would purposely buy them black baby dolls. A, because it was, was, it's starting to become much easier, but for a long time, very hard to find them. But also just because why not? Mm -hmm. When I had to, when I was a kid and I had to go to a store, I didn't have any options. I had to choose the blue-eyed, blonde-haired doll the or Barbie the doll, you know, green doll, and I loved the doll regardless. Um, so yes, no, I, I, I think you do immerse children in in this. Um, so Jesus, Middle Eastern, can we go with that from now on? Well, <laughs> that would be the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> do we do the Middle Eastern Jesus now? Like, no offense to, uh, you know, you and McGregor Jesus, <laughs> but can we kind of start doing that? Can we, can you we guys, go to Middle Eastern Jesus? Is that okay? Can we, Geekscape us, if you're listening, can we do the Middle Eastern Jesus thing now? And I'm all for Black Santa and Asian Santa too. Sure. Dude, Geekscape goes hard. You know what? We're joking, Charlie, but, uh, there, there came a time, I think this was four or five years ago, people start calling it the Geekscape 3.0 or the Jonathan 3.0 or whatever it is. And I just found myself really unmotivated to talk about a bunch of bullshit that didn't matter. <laughs> and, and as somebody who consumes that bullshit at a high rate, and we're talking movies, video games, comics, stuff that I'm... Those are movies, video games, and comics that other people made. I'm never going to be involved in them. I'm never going to make money off of them. I have to make my own. Those are the ones I want to talk about. And I want to right. talk about filmmakers who make their own. I just didn't want to be stuck as sports radio losers talking about winners. It wasn't fun for me to be like, this is what I think is going to happen in the MCU. I'm never going to be a part of the MCU. Probably. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't change anything. Yeah. It doesn't pay my rent. Um, I got to motivate myself to do things that I think matter. And with that, uh, you can't ignore the stuff going out the window. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. If you stuck with me, and F you if you have it, because yeah. you're not listening anymore. So I can say F you. Like, <laughs> guess what? Jesus is Middle Eastern. Kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> have I lost my mind? No. I you found know, I, it. There's so many, there's so many strange things. I mean, all the debates that we have about what what we think should be the way that it is. Who cares? I mean, there are so many things going on that are quite real. Um, you know, you're looking at TV talking about the 60 game baseball season. It's like, okay, play or don't or whatever. I, there's a pandemic going on. I don't care. You know, and it's all of these kinds of strange debates about statues and all of these strange things i don't know i got i, I got inspired by the geeks <laughs> well i'm with you and I, and I do think that sports play a very important part in our in our in our society they're not just like entertainment but for for a lot of people that is how you establish a generational wealth that'll bring a lot of people out of poverty so being able to like shoot a basketball for somebody who couldn't afford shoes suddenly they're they're able to make I mean, and this happens to 0.00000% of the population. Okay. But for the people who make it, the 300 people that are in the NBA, they suddenly have achieved a generational wealth that for most of them, they were not able to. I think it plays a very important part of being one of the only ways that you can pull yourself up from a lower class to a middle class or an upper class. There's not a lot of ways to do that because what we talked about, the bricks are laid in a fashion that when you're at the top, you stay at the top. And when you're at the bottom... Maybe you sink further to the bottom, but to be there's, I think sports and entertainment are some of these places that are very few where you can achieve some kind of a generational 
income that will change you and your family and there's no going back down. Does that make sense? Rick, though, on YouTube says, Jonathan can play the native shaman in the Alpha, Alpha Flight MCU movie. I'm Hispanic, not First Nations, but um, if you change the character, I'm available. Don't change the character, Marvel. But there are his, you know, uh, if you're speaking of, uh, oh, I'm too old to play uh, a member of New Mutants, but there's a Hispanic New Mutant. Uh, he's Brazilian, actually, Leonardo, so uh, we'll see, but uh, there's some Hispanic characters in the in the MCU. I can play I can play white or Hispanic. I think I don't know. Whatever. I'm like the Urkel of Hispanics. Hispanic but nerdy. I think I don't know. But we've we've gone and got we've kind of gone crazy. But Geekscapus, welcome to my TED Talk. Uh, it was that close to what you were kind of saying there, Charlie. It's like it. I don't think pigeonholing works. I think that it's nice that everything's mixed up. I, like, I think it's nice that everybody's being forced to reinterpret and reevaluate and figure out how to do things in a new way. Uh, yep. We've got ourselves a question for Linata off of YouTube. This one's good. Jeffrey wants to know who was your favorite on-screen kiss. I'm guessing Jeffrey might have been in the series as well. And and you didn't you didn't get to kiss Brad Pitt and killing him softly. You I just did not naked get to in front Brad of him. Pitt. No, I, honestly, isn't Jeffrey my only on-screen kiss? What? Jeffrey, you're my only on-screen kiss. I've kissed you in everything we've done. But in two movies. In two different movies, yeah. They were in a TV show and a movie, yeah. both of which I wrote. He, yeah. Yeah, what's that? What's that about, Andrew? Like, uh, maybe there's a question for Andrew. Going on there. Yeah, both of which I was in, and I didn't kiss anybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Willard, are you up for kissing Charlie in season two? Oh, oh no, no, Charlie. Go How down. much? <laughs> Is it the beard? Whoa, whoa, whoa. How much? Jesus will come first, and they still waiting on him. No, it won't happen. <laughs> Okay. Oh, three movies. <laughs> okay, we're working on it. And Jeffrey says that in three movies. I didn't Ian, kiss you in the like, second movie. It's not now. Jeffrey. Sorry. We worked in three movies, but I only kissed him in two. Okay, well, Andrew, that was that was the one he didn't write or direct, I think, might be the reason uh, for that. Hmm. No, he wrote and directed it. He just didn't oh. have me kissing Jeffrey. Okay, well, we gotta we gotta give that one a sequel. Yeah, we gotta go back Sorry, to that. I, I, I have a six year old that keeps coming no. up to me asking me questions. So, uh, Geekscape us. Oh, she uh, wants to see the puppy. That's why she wants she to see the puppy. Oh, oh, well. yeah. oh um, yes, I did. And she said she came up and said, "Hasn't it, hasn't it already been an hour?" Yeah, listen, <laughs> Geekscape us. If you take anything from this, as we've started to uh, become a bit amorphous, I want you guys to watch. Casting the Net. It's on Urban Flicks TV. Uh, at UrbanFlix.tv is the Instagram. But yeah, if you guys just go to UrbanFlix.com. UrbanFlixTV.com. And you can see how to sign up on Roku, Apple TV, You know how to get the channel, um, or just watch it online. And please, please do come watch Casting the Net. Uh, we need some more viewers right now. It's this funny. is a viewer drive. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're doing. It's amazing. It's funny. It's about Hollywood. Yeah. It's, it's it's a good time. It's great. It's really fun. I'm really lucky <laughs> and grateful to be a part of it. Yeah, no, it's one of those shows. Literally, it's a it's a fun, enjoyable, easy watch. You know, you're, it's it's going to stimulate your mind a little bit, get you thinking and learning about Hollywood and its ins and, ins and outs. But you're also going to just enjoy it while you're doing it. And I mean, I swear, it, it, you'll it'll fly by, and you're going to be wishing that we had eight more episodes for you to watch right away. Well, Geeks gave us, hopefully this episode flew by. I looked up and suddenly we were talking about all sorts of stuff and concepts and societal issues. Uh, but you know what? That's Geekscape. And I want to thank all of you guys listening and watching right now for following me on this for as long as you have. Maybe it's just this episode. Maybe you guys have been with me since the beginning, like big yanks over in Long Island. Um, thank you guys. As we start to uh, kind of delve into these new waters, I think the show ha and myself have to continue to mature and, and figure out what to talk about because I have to justify doing this and be still be passionate about doing this. And that means like really talk about stuff that affects all of us. And you can't act that, like this stuff doesn't affect us. And like we said, with the shifting uh, film schedule or the fact that uh, comic books almost went under and may still go under, like this is affecting our media. All this stuff going outside of our window on outside of our window is affecting our media. And 
creators like the cast of the, the, the net folks that I've got here have, have found a way to take all those experiences that they've been experiencing for years and make a piece of artwork out of it. I want you guys to go to uh, Urban Flicks and I want you guys to watch it. I thank you guys so much for being on the show. It's been thank awesome. You, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Great job. Great job. I will leave you guys back to your life. Uh, and Willard, we're going to work on you for that season two uh, moment with Charlie's character. He's a very powerful film executive. And I want to do. Yeah. Oh, and please, please follow us on Instagram too. Instagram and Facebook. Um, we would appreciate that so we can just keep you up to date on everything and keep sharing videos and trailers with you and fun stuff. And Willard, I don't know if Willard's going to budge on this one, but we're going to keep working on it. I don't it. think so. <laughs> I'm the rock of Gibraltar on that one. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, of course, of course. Um, thank you, uh, Andrew and Leonardo. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Um, good luck with everything. And Geekscapists, that's what I got for you guys. Thank you again for listening to Geekscape, watching Geekscape, and check out Casting the Net series. That's the Instagram. Find them on social media, and obviously find them on Urban Flix uh, TV. But um, yeah, welcome back. I know I took a week off, did some life moving around, but uh, we're back next week with a brand new episode. We've got a couple episodes just completely lined up through July and August, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and some are going to be funny, some are going to be a little bit serious. Some are going to be comics, movies, video games. We put out a lot of uh, feelers for awesome guests because it doesn't seem like we're going to be out of this COVID crisis anytime soon. I'll start working on that other room in a new studio, and we're going to keep trying to improve Geekscape for you guys. If you have any comments, if you've got any questions, or if you just want to say hi, you can find us on social media at Geekscape. Just search for Geekscape on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Be part of our group on Facebook. That would be a lot of fun. And if you guys are listening to this and you really enjoy it, like, hey, if you're listening to this on the podcatcher, go and leave us a review on iTunes. We've been doing this for a long time. Go leave us just a little review and be like, hey, uh, I like Geekscape, whatever you want to write. I'm not going to write it for you guys, but just leave us a review. That really helps us out and helps our visibility. And um, yeah, share Geekscape with your friends. That's really all I got to say. I'll see you guys next week. And um, thank you, Brentley, for saying, keep it up, Jonathan. You rock. I appreciate it. Seth Spanis in Austin says, good show, buddy. Love you, man. And then Richto says, a best of Geekscape would be all Francois. Can't say I disagree with that uh, assessment. Uh, thank you guys so much. This is Geekscape. Uh, see you guys next week. Over and out. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 